Hello, listeners. Surprise! It's us before the music. And why is that? In shocking turn of events, we've managed to get to episode 53, which is what you are about to start listening to, which means we are now officially, if everything stays the same way as it is planned and announced, we are officially halfway through the show. <gasps> I know. Oh my God. <laughs> and spoiler, we completely missed it when we recorded the actual episode. And this is why you get this nice tidbit before. So thank you all for staying with us for the first half of Lucifer. We are... Can't wait to get into the second half with all of you. And don't you worry, no matter when season 5 be and when season 6 comes out, we will be there, we will cover it, we will finish this thing. We can see the end of the tunnel now. We can the see light. the light. Don't go into the light. Except do when you when the light means that the show is must go on. Okay, that didn't come out right. If the show is over. Anyway. <laughs> As you might have noticed, we did not take notes for this. As we mentioned, thank you so much for being here with us. And we're hoping that you're going to enjoy the second half at least as much as you enjoyed the first half. Maybe even more. So please do share us with your friends. And let's take this hump episode as an encouragement to share us with your friends. Because we're not going anywhere. We're going to stick with you through this entire show. Because we love it. And we love you. And we love each other. Even though when we hate each other. Especially when we hate each other. Welcome to the Apple of Truth, a weekly podcast where we cover every single episode of Lucifer while exploring potholes and diving deep into all the details you never knew you needed. I'm Vero. And I'm Lena. And we not only share a deep love for the show and its creators, but also for our glorious patrons who enrich our lives on more than one level. Today we're talking about Season 3, Episode 20, The Angel of San Bernardino. Today I have a wonderful summary I'm very proud of because this episode says Lucifer doesn't sleep, Mace doesn't hold back, everyone seems to be horny as fuck, and at the end everyone is sad. Yes, including me. Yes, and I was angry. Also that. Sangry! <laughs> Does that happen when you drink a lot of sangria? If I was drinking at the moment, I would be drinking, but I'm doing Lent. So sadly, I could not drown my anger nor my sorrow in alcohol. Mm, it's the best thing to drown things in. Well, speaking of obsessions that we definitely do not have, Lucifer's obsession of the week, in my opinion, is he's not the angel. I couldn't decide if I wanted to go with Lucifer's obsession is Lucifer, because he is very self-focused, as Mace explicitly points out, or not sleeping. That is a good one. I like the not sleeping one. So we agree it's going to be not sleeping. Yes, let's go with that one. Check for you. Yay! 
been a while since I got one. Mm-hmm. I got our usual facts and funds. We have a fifth time director with Tara Nicole Ware, whose previous app was all about her. That's the one where Menadiel did not have chlamydia. We have an eighth time writer with Jason Ning. Previous episode was My Brother's Keeper, the one where Ames and Pierce wreck Lux. Also, fun side note. Do you remember in My Brother's Keeper, I said, remember Raymond? Because Raymond is the dude in the diamond shop in My Brother's Keeper. And he's also the man Charlotte is considering buying jewelry from in this episode. Same oh. writer for both episodes. Ah. Right. I remember you saying, remember Raymond. And I remember not remembering Raymond at the time already. So... Thank you for making it clear to me who this guy is. The title, of course, is said by Lucifer once again, and I have completely lost track, so you're going to have to wait until the summary episode to have the final count. The IMDb fact that I found, I will not include here because it was the perfect addendum to Vero's Devils in the Music. So if you want to know what that was, you're going to have to listen to the bonus. And to do that, you have to be a wonderful believer. Thank you. And with that out of the way, we get into one of the meatier previously on Lucifer uh, that we've had in a while. Kane and Chloe are becoming a thing. Kane is cursed for murdering Abel. He wants to use her to break the curse. Lucy suspects. Linda tells Ames not to share shit with Charlotte. Ooh, share shit Ooh, with Charlotte. Nice. <laughs> I didn't even see that coming. But he decides to anyway. To solve his fuck up, he gets Lucy to reveal his wings. Mace is pissed off at Earth and wants to go home and Lucy refuses to take her. And Kane approaches her in hopes to use her. In the cold open, I have to confess, I have no idea what's going on there. But I do love the fact that the lady has a baseball bat at the ready. Yeah, and uh, she's a religious nut, which usually is not a good combination. But that being said, yes, that's the cold open. Yes, that happened. Yes, I was also super confused. And then we go straight into the precinct. And I'm going to start with my first Ew, 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 no. Yeah, indeed. When was it we talked about Chloe being reserved and potentially like Puritan and yeah. held back? Is it like two episodes ago? One episode ago? One episode ago. And this to me feels so, so so far out of her character. Mm-hmm. I hate it. Not just mm-hmm. the fact that suddenly she's this horny super bunny persona, but also she's fucking at work during the day. That is so unprofessional. During work hours. Yeah, even if Chloe suddenly found sexual liberation because of whatever reason, she would never do this at work, during work. I think one of the reasons she is actually willing to do such a thing is, one, clearly Kane already has claws in her, but he is technically her boss, so technically she no. is... I know that it's morally wrong and that it doesn't fit her character at all, and I absolutely wholeheartedly agree with that. I'm just trying to You're figure reaching. out the reasonings <laughs> of why this has been showed. I think that she's just being a little teenager. And I think it's dumb and it's stupid and it's not in Chloe's character to do that. But I think that is what is happening or what they're trying to convey with the situation. Another thing I 
hate in the scene is that Ella is going all, yeah, go get it. It's awesome that you're fucking up against my lap wall. It's like, dude, what? I mean, yeah, Ella is happy for people being happy. Yes, that's not my issue. But that is so, so far beyond any acceptable boundary. I wouldn't be doing this and I have no boundaries when it comes to sex. I mean, I wouldn't be doing this. Okay, I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> I was just shocked with the walls of the precinct. Like, what? It's Murica. That I did not find surprising. Oh, it, there is so much problematic in here. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to jump right into the first cutscene. Oh, wow. And okay. It's this super short moment in the penthouse when Lucifer wakes up and he kind of stretches out and then looks around himself and he's alone in his bed. And he just looks kind of surprised and says, well, this won't do at all. And that's the end of the cutscene. I do wonder, do you think he went to bed with someone next to him and they left before he got up? Or did he go to bed alone and is now surprised that nobody snuck into his bed? I think uh, the former is where I'm at. Okay, good. I wasn't sure because it's Lucifer. It could be either yeah but that brings us to the crime scene and we get a callback to him being by it's been quite a while and so i was shortly happy but then it all goes cringy and i'm back to hating well it. in fairness he did say a couple episodes ago that he normally loves threesomes in a reference to pierce and chloe being a couple so you could take that as a being a pansexual or not strictly heterosexual as someone who's had threesomes with two guys nope you can have a threesome with two males and both be straight as an arrow oh no i know that but i don't know i just feel like if lucifer says it it has a little bit of a different meaning but you're right it hasn't been mentioned explicitly outright in explicitly while. in a while and i'll give you that one also yes cringy as fuck horrible and i think that we can safely say that that wasn't just a makeout session Ugh. and especially with chloe reactions and her talking about them coming together oh it was so bad and you it have evidence bad. on you and oh that was a lot of things and then just to mention lucifer is trying to tell something to chloe and because i usually watch the cutscenes after i watch the episode i was kind of wondering if there was something else that he wanted to tell her than just that he woke up alone i think so maybe that's the reason why they took the cutscene out because yeah. that which is proof that it was just the thing just the fact that he woke up alone but it is a very nice out for him to still say the truth and not say what he actually wanted to say. I have one remark. Ella does not make me happy in this moment. I was so, so upset that she is so supportive of him. It's so upsetting. Because you'd think, on one hand, you'd think that she's a better judge of character. On the other hand, when you think of her past and what we've seen her track record is yeah. not very good. So it actually makes sense. All I say is remember the comedian. <laughs> not just himself, but there was a whole number of people that she misjudged. She's just choosing to be very trusting. And also it's very unprofessional all in all and I'm not there for it. And the final thing I have to say is I found it 
fucking hilarious when they go like oh it might be a brother of Lucifer and of course Chloe doesn't take it seriously and Pierce goes like you think it's a possibility and completely seriously because duh he knows it's all real yeah so I was enjoying that of course, I completely believed what was happening at this moment, and I was glad that Kane seems nervous about another angel being around, because it makes sense. It would not be good for him if God would have sent another angel to deal with that shit, because he is doing something he's not supposed to. Yeah, so I was very much there for that. So much stuff. Basically, this entire episode gave me whiplash, because mm-hmm. it's, hey, Yay! No! Yay! No! Because now we go over into the penthouse and instantly I'm back in caps Mm -hmm. because it's fuck you, Ames. Shut your face. This is all on you. Mm -hmm. Just like Lucifer says. And I was very happy then again. Lucifer actually explicitly points it out. So, yeah, See, now you like the explicit po- explicitly pointing out stuff. Because he's chastising Amenadiel with it. It's not for our benefit. It's to punish okay. Amenadiel. And come on, we're always here to see Amenadiel being punished. That is very true. Well, before I jump on that train with you, I'm just going to mention the song, the first song of the episode actually playing right now. Called very late. Ball and Chain by <laughs> Sur, which is a repeat artist we've had song of theirs in uh, season 3 episode 13 called Make It to Morning. So shout out to Sur. So who do you think is the ball and chains? Is Amenadiel Lucifer's ball and chains or is Lucifer Amenadiel's ball and chains or is Charlotte their ball and chains? It's definitely Ames is the ball and chain of everybody on this show. <laughs> But he thinks everyone is his ball and chain. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Nice. To jump on that train, as I mentioned before, I agree. There is something wrong with Amenadiel. I want to punch him in the face to wake him up. There is no royal we. There is no we unless he means it's the royal we that we talked about before. He is the one who fucked up. He's the reason Charlotte knows in the first place. And he should be having this conversation with her and not Lucifer. Yes. So I'm just going to round it up with fuck aims and you go on if you have any more notes on this scene. Oh, yes, because we are now entertaining the idea that it might be an actual other angel and bored or confused is just such a perfect description of angels on earth. Mm -hmm. So there I was here for it once again. And then, of course, Amenadiel leaves and... Lucifer stumbles over the fucking figurine. And I was like, what? Same. Because I could not remember what happened. And I was just like, oh my God, is he sleepwalking? And for a short second, I considered doing my devils in the details about sleepwalking. But then I was like, oh no, come on. Let's do it about the figurine, about Gabriel. Because Gabriel is a thing in the Christian Judeo lore. And of course, he's a thing in the comics. So if you want to know more about that, listen to the bonus. We get the title card in this scene and then we change scenes. Mm-hmm. We go to therapy. And I personally, I was shooketh that Lucifer does the adult thing and brings the figurine to Linda. Honestly, do you remember... Was it last? No, I think two episodes ago. Yes, two episodes ago when he has the revelation that he fucked up with Chloe and that she now is going to get together with Pierce. He goes straight to Linda. Mm -hmm. And I 
back then commented on it by saying that I really appreciate that he has matured enough to instantly know when he has something that he needs to talk to his therapist about. Mm -hmm. And so this to me feels very consistent and I really appreciate it. It absolutely makes sense, but I just found it very interesting that we have this level of... Uh, Jesus. Consistency? This level of maturity coming from Lucifer, especially when you look at other actions that he takes throughout this episode. Or even just this scene when he tries to retcon the angel statue as a sex toy. And no, it's not a sex toy. Really, no, no. Mm -hmm. I mean, everything's a dildo if you're brave enough, but no. Yes. <laughs> so Linda introduces us to the concept that Lucifer is having some weird dreams and suggests that he is dream sleep flying, which I think is absolutely brilliant idea. And I was completely on board with it right now. I was so convinced that that's what's happening. I would have loved if that was what is happening, really have to say. Yeah. But sadly, this is a very, very short scene with Linda. It's just a minute long. I'm going to just cut in here again with a second cutscene. And it's the second and the last one. It goes somewhere around here. I'm not exactly sure where it's going. It's a minute deal going to Charlotte's office and talking to her very briefly about the celestial truth. And... Charlotte being a horrible human to the people in the office. She's getting a manicure and being very mean to the lady who's doing the manicure. She throws some stuff around at people and wow. Emenadiel briefly talks to her and says, if you need anything, I am here for you. And she says... Oh, I know. Which sheds way more light on the entire situation that then comes to flourish a little bit later in the episode. That is so relevant because that is one of my biggest complaints about this episode. Mm -hmm. It made zero sense to me where Charlotte's assumption came from. That yeah. either one would just carry her up to heaven. And yeah, that scene would have helped. Yeah. I think she just jumped on the idea because she just really, really needed a way out. And this kind of support is my theory after I watch this cutscene as well. And I'm actually glad to know that according to this, Aminadil didn't wait two weeks to come to her and actually have a conversation with her. Yeah, also character Because that didn't really make sense. Good for Aminadil. Sad they took this out. Mm -hmm. They... Instead, they could have taken out some of the fuckathon Chloe and Pierce seem to be having. Mm -hmm. We move over to Chloe's and I know this must be weird for our listeners. Me, usually the one who goes, yay, sex, yay, sex positivity, yay, people being in touch with their bodily needs and it's healthy. And now me going, could they maybe not fuck or not as much? But I'm sorry, Chloe and Pierce fucking grosses me out. It's just the idea of it. I don't know. I just hate them together with passion. But most important thing that happens in this scene, in this short, short scene, is that Chloe admits that she hasn't dragged Trixie into this train wreck just yet, which She's made not me happy. Sure, sure. It was the one thing that made me happy, and it was the one thing that made me extremely upset a little later on. Yep. Also, question. Mm -hmm. She says Trixie is going to be home soon, and that's why Pierce has to leave. Mm -hmm. But then she leaves because Lucifer called her. So 
Trixie is now coming home and there's nobody home and that's okay. Well, I assume that since Trixie is still quite little, even though she is exceptional child and she is very smart, I don't think that she's just walking around by herself. So she probably is with a babysitter or Olga. Ah, you know? Olga. I forgot Olga. Somebody is bringing her home, I'm assuming. Either if it's done or Olga or somebody else. No, it's good. It's perfect in my brain now. It's Olga and Olga is gonna stay with her. We move over into the precinct because Lucifer called Chloe and Chloe rushes over to be there with him because apparently something is important. And all I have to say in this scene is Lucifer refers to himself as not being a 12-year-old who needs to listen to Adele, which, yeah, that's true. But you could have read all of this by yourself and even followed up on it by yourself. But no, you needed to actively involve Chloe to keep her busy and away from Pierce. So you are a 12-year-old listening to Adele, metaphorically. Metaphorically, yes. But also, thank you, Lucifer. This is exactly what you should be doing. Keep her, keep them away <laughs> from each other. Yuck. That's all I have for this one. Yeah, we can head over to the rehab with a song called Whatcha Want by Willa J. And it's very obvious, Whatcha Want, if you go to the rehab centers, you want drugs and sex. Because apparently this is a rehabilitation center for drugs and sex. And I was like, dude, what the actual fuck? And then, ah, okay, there is someone who has an actual sex addiction. And that's something different. But you go to therapy when you have a sex addiction, not to a rehabilitation center. Well, he says it's court-ordered, so I'm assuming that he's trying to find a way to not go into actual therapy. You could probably say that he is getting his therapeutic treatment in the center, so he doesn't actually have to go. I mean, not for reals, but I feel like that could be part of the cover-up and why people go there. We actually haven't had Lucifer attacking a suspect in a while like that. Oh yeah, he hasn't. Been quite he hasn't hanged anybody off a roof or over a railing or anything like that in a while. So nice callback. So he attacks him, and we get our needed exposition and information. And everything. Then Lucifer borrows Chloe's handcuffs, and she says, "You." And I'm like, Chloe, judgy much? Handcuffs well, are metal. You can clean them. Why would it be you? And also, why would it be you to use handcuffs? even for something sexual which he doesn't even do so i think that she just the idea of having owning an object that lucifer was indulging with at sexual play is you to her her who now engages in fuckathons not with Lucifer, though. So it's only you if Lucifer has sex and uses toys. It's only you if everybody else has sex and then she has to hold on to the objects that they used, not with her. Mm. I actually kind of understand why she says you. I don't agree with it, but I understand why. I was actually surprised, though, that she seemed to be concerned for him because she seemed to be so disengaged in anything with him in this entire episode and especially just up till now and nevertheless she is concerned she asks about what's happening and then she completely dismisses it i think that she's trying to help but she does not take the time to actually figure out what the problem is and that is definitely part of the problem absolutely and then he takes the cuffs of her and i just found it quite interesting that he thinks 
that those cuffs, as we then see in the penthouse, how he tends to use them, that he thinks he that they would actually hold him. So yes, I agree. We move over to the penthouse. And just like you said, it makes no sense to me that he thinks Chloe's handcuffs are going to do him any good. And they don't. He falls asleep and then he's woken by none other than Amenadiel. I found it interesting that Ames is there at the both occasions when Lucifer sees evidence of being the angel. You're right. I didn't realize Intriguing. Yes, that was kind of what made me doubt everything that was happening yet again for the 15th time. I didn't notice it, so it didn't cause me to wonder. But he shows him a newspaper. We get our title drop. And I really have to say, filming-wise, direction-wise, when they walk past each other and the camera zooms out and you see them walk from left to right and right to left and they cross in the middle. It's so well done. Mm -hmm. It's very aesthetically pleasing. I was so emotionally involved in this episode that it was hard to notice these bits Mm -hmm. but this one really stood out and it's really pretty and really well done i agree i did notice that one as well and then i kind of focused on the fact that Eminadiel seems to be genuinely terrified that the punishment is coming for him so that seemed to be real so i was kind of like contradicting myself from the idea of himself being the perpetrator Yes, the one who sets up the evidence. To me, it felt very natural that he is terrified of God punishing him because he has done nothing but fucking things up more and more and more. Mm -hmm. So it must be terrifying. Yep. Ella walking in on that call and then reacting the way she does once again drove me to caps because this is absolutely inappropriate behavior from Ella and I don't like it. Mm -hmm. I I don't like it. I was very much disgusted. I was very upset that Ella even brings up the showing of emotion because they haven't been dating that long. I know, like, if I go by my personal experience in the few relationships I've been in, it would take me at least two months to say the words. And that would happen when I was, like, super young and I would barely know what it means. So I feel like older you get, longer it takes for you to say that because you want to be sure sure and i don't think that approximately 32 year old chloe is gonna come out and say it after two weeks of dating and that was one of the things that made me very upset later on it just doesn't feel realistic to me i know that he is going for it and this is and he is pushing it for it to happen but it's just even the fact that it's coming from ella this way it was just very upsetting. Also, Ella and Pierce do not have this type of relationship with each other where they would talk about something like this. I know that Ella doesn't usually respect the normal boundaries society expects people to uphold. But still, this mm-hmm. no, just no. So you know what? Let's move on from everything that's gross and horrible in this scene and move over to Charlotte. Because Charlotte walking into the precinct being honest to everyone. I'm like, no, 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 Charlotte. What are you doing? Why are you doing this? No, 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 no. But really enjoying it. And then Ella is in her path. I'm like, no, no, please don't, don't, don't. I mean, I'm not happy with Ella, but still don't. And then she goes, yeah, you're actually kind of awesome. And I'm like, yay. 
Yay, she is. And that oh. made me super happy that now we have a confirmed Ella-Charlotte friendship. Mm-hmm. And of course, she passes Ella, sees Dan, grabs him. And I just have to say, everyone is extremely horny this episode, except Lucifer. Interesting perspective. Now we move over to the, I just called it the Bell's house, because I, for the life of me, they did not say the girl's name the entire scene, right? I just called it working the case because I had no idea what we were doing there, actually, and I wasn't really all that much involved. Yeah. The only thing I remembered is, of course, the quote from Lucifer about the annoying child. And yet people choose to procreate. Oh, I'm with him. Oh, yeah, I wonder that so often myself. <laughs> and then I have written down, I am calling Jeremy the killer now. So that's all on this scene for myself. We move over to one of my favorite activities, which is day drinking. Day drinking is the best type of drinking. I felt like Charlotte must have misunderstood somehow what actually happened with her coming back and why she's coming back to life and why she has come back to life and stuff. Because this, at this stage, felt like she thinks that she is getting a pass because God brought her back and therefore she is special and she can do whatever she wants turns out to be slightly out of the left field but close enough i'm gonna say and then they have the conversation where she invites daniel into the closet and a great song starts playing for a dance undressing montage called so bad by doran danoff and it was so obvious that this was going to go so bad. It was amazing. We conclude the scene with the poorest of dance, which is his foot up there, his legs spread open and the door being open by the wrong person. See, the only thing is that I'm glad that Charlotte was actually gonna go into the closet that she didn't just leave him there because that was that would be super cruel no 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 she is really into him and I know I know and that's what kind of the confirmation of that the fact that she kind of shows up there and she kind of freezes is just okay she mouths I'm sorry which is very much not like Charlotte right now so yeah, yeah it's just yet another confirmation that they should be together Yes. I mean, in my brain, they are together. Sorry. Of course. Of course. Because Trixie already gave her blessing and everything. So, duh, duh. We move over back to the precinct. And really, Lucifer could not have thought of just don't sleep by himself. I think he tends to be quite dumb about the simplest things when yeah. it comes to it. Sometimes he just need it spelled out. Yeah. And unless you have anything else to say... I mean, I just felt very, very sorry for him because not sleeping is not the solution, Lucifer. Baby. We move over to what I called Awake Lucifer, which is a very short montage with a soundtrack song called Turn Down For That by DJ Snake and Lil Jon. Turn Down For What? Great song. And I misunderstood. I thought he just didn't plan to sleep for one night. So I was like, Come on, what's the big deal about not sleeping one night? And then later in the episode, we learned that it's a fucking week. And I was like, oh, 
<laughs> I take everything back. But this is probably the moment where you go on your bones tangent, or do you want to save it for later? Yes, there is two moments. No, I'm actually just going to mention here the episode that he comes across is season three, episode two of Bones, Soccer Mom in the minivan. And it's weirdly enough, cut. So uh, actually on the show, in the episode, when you watch it, there is a couple of more lines in between the look they were married and then Bones replies why do you care about my father and actually on the show there is more bit in between so I just found it interesting that they cut that out but also it makes absolute sense that he is watching Bones and they are actually using Bones because at that stage still both those shows were hosted by Fox and as much as I hate that station Bones have been on Fox for their entire run and it was a bit of a something like Supernatural was to CW I'd say they were just kind of having a free run. They were the both actors, the main actors, David Boreanaz and Emily Deschanel, were also producers of the show and they especially David Boreanaz, I think, directed quite often. So, fun fact. We go into precinct phone call mix-up scene where in the beginning Maze and Chloe are talking on the phone and as much as I hate this it was really well done with Mace using Pierce's words Chloe catching up on that and then Mace taking it back to more normal Mace conversational tone by bringing up the sex parallel Mm -hmm. I think this scene is absolutely hilarious it made my bones loving heart extremely happy you know what made me happy? Yes. Disheveled Lucifer is so hot. I know, right? Oh, God. I'm glad that we get him for the rest of the episode. Wow. It's so weird. I know. And so now I have been complaining about everyone being super horny in this episode. And now I join them. Only now? Okay. After first thing about Dan, now first thing about Disheveled Lucifer. Yeah, it's okay. We're all horny this episode. It's okay. We're in this together. So finally, we get another clue and we head over to the hotel to bust the wedding. We arrive and Lucifer gets very confident about the heart surgeon being the murderer. And I was just kind of like going with it and was very not sure of what was happening. And then it actually comes out that he recognized the dude from Bones, which I find hilarious. Did you? I did not, honestly. I actually, I obviously went to the actual episode of Bones, which is season three, episode six, which I think it's the intern in the incinerator, I believe. And he plays the killer there, but in there he is clean shaven and has glasses so he looks very very different and he's not there for that much so you can't really notice he doesn't really have any mannerisms or anything so I did not recognize him myself I have to admit I love that they got the actual actor who played the role in Bones be another person in Lucifer who is the actor at least they didn't use his actual name because in Lucifer he's called Matt Kessman and the actor is actually called Scott Rinker So at least that. (laughs) But it's a great move, honestly. I love it. And when we realize that he is an actual actor, he says that he is employed by a company called Masquerade Inc., which definitely doesn't sound like masquerading at all. 
So it's not suspecting at all. And at this moment, I was like, hmm, the Jeremy dude feels more and more suspect. We go over to Pierce's place. And here now, finally, the coin dropped for me that, ah, we're waiting for the mark to disappear. And only then is he going to try to kill himself again. Congratulations, Lena. You understand the basic plot point of this episode. But also, I have to say, I wasn't right after all, because... I had already excluded the Chloe needs to care for you to make you mortal approach. And I was on the Pierce needs to proper care for Chloe. Mm -hmm. But apparently Pierce seems to think Chloe needs to love love him for him to become mortal. But Chloe wasn't in love with Lucifer when he became vulnerable. So that doesn't really track. But he doesn't know that. No, but so at this point, because I had completely forgotten how this episode ends. At this point, I was like, so... How is this gonna work? Because I did remember that it does work, but not how. So at this point, I was very confused. Yep, I was very much focused on Mace in this scene. And I was very glad that she called Kane out on the breaking Chloe's heart and leaving her behind. She does say respect, even from a demon, which I think She's that she, she does have a point. And I have a tiny bit of a feeling in this moment and I've mentioned this before, that she might bail on him because she realizes that she doesn't want Chloe to get this hurt. I know that I was a little wrong there, but it's not the end of the season just yet. And I think that at this stage, I thought that Mace, if given the chance, would choose Chloe over Kane because of their relationship. I was hoping. Not as long as she feels so hurt by Lucifer. She is still way too much wrapped up in her own pain. Mm -hmm. But I honestly hope that once she emerges from that pain that she is gonna see how precious the relationship relationship between Chloe and Mace is. Yes. But I have nothing else in this scene because I was so confused. But we go into the precinct and one of my favorite things of this episode happens because I'm a stickler for words. Mm -hmm. When Lucifer and Chloe argue, Mm -hmm. he says, I could care less, which is correct. He could care less because he cares a great deal. The correct expression would have been, I couldn't care less. And while I am aware that most people nowadays use the I could care less wrongly when meaning I couldn't care less. In Lucifer's situation, me thinks that is deliberate because he doesn't lie. Ooh. And so I was like, booyah, nice. That is very nice. I have to say, this scene is very frustrating for me. It's painful. And very upsetting and very painful. So I feel like Chloe should know Lucifer better by now and therefore handle the situation a little differently. I feel that Lucifer is very much out of his mind at this stage. And he really, really, really wants Chloe to be happy and this is why he is so torn. He selfishly doesn't want them together, of course, and he admits that. But also, he knows that Cain is not necessarily 
good for her and that there might be some secret agenda which he is right as we know and therefore he is feeling protective so this is fighting the urge of letting her go be happy because he can see that she is happy and there is a lot of very very much crossing emotions in him and he doesn't know how to deal the dude who barely knows how to deal with himself can't deal with this storm of strong emotions just cannot and i understand that chloe doesn't want to let herself slip into that mess and i understand where chloe is coming from but i really really wish that she would listen to him and try to understand what's happening because she knows this is hurting him she can see that he is trying to deal and failing and yet she chooses not to help him out she chooses to be selfish which under normal circumstances i'm all for but at this moment knowing what we know as viewers it's just really really painful also even not knowing what we know she does know that he hasn't slept in a week and if you don't sleep for a week your brain as a human does very very fucked up things and she should care enough about her friend lucifer to not hit him when he is that vulnerable and she stops herself she nearly tells him that she loves kane and she stops herself And I hate that. I hate that entire situation. We make a quick stopover at Charlotte's office. Once again, Dan gets the award for being the bestest human because he worries about Charlotte and he calls the one person that in his experience has actually helped people deal with their shit because it worked for him. It apparently worked for Pierce as far as Dan can tell. And so obviously calling a man a deal to talk to Charlotte makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. And here we have what we already talked about. Charlotte having the assumption that she is just going to be carried up to heaven by her personal angels. Yeah, no. I think it makes a little more sense to me with the cutscene. At this stage, it just felt like we were being robbed of some sort of a thought process. But I also think that Charlotte is not 100% convinced that that's the case and she's just kind of going erratically trying to deal with seeing divinity and dealing with divinity and I don't think that she truly believes in what she's doing because I don't think she'd be so easily swayed by Ames that that's not the case. What I found super confusing is that she claims that the second she thought she didn't have to be a good person, she slipped into previous bad habits. Mm -hmm. And I kind of don't believe her. I think that's what she believes herself. I don't think it's necessarily true. True. Yeah. And I feel that she is overcompensating mm-hmm. with her bad behavior. And so I'm curious where we're going to go with that in the next few episodes. Mm-hmm. I agree. I think that's one of the reasons why my gut feeling is that she did not absolutely 100% commit and believe the theory of her own that she will be carried to heaven after she dies by her personal angels. Mm. 
We go back into the precinct, and to me, this feels like super late already, but maybe I'm wrong. And I was very confused that Trixie is at the precinct at such a late hour. But then they talk about getting dinner, so it can't be all that late because Trixie is young, and young humans, as far as I know, need to have kind of early. They're dinner. called children, Lena. They're called children. No, no, young humans. While they talk, They have this wonderful conversation and we learn that Trixie not only has Chloe's credit card information, but she's also able to forge Chloe's signature and Chloe's reaction to all of this is completely chill. Do you think that has to do with the fact that Trixie used to hang with Maze a lot? Yes. Okay, good. We're on the same page. But I love Chloe's yeah. non-reaction, basically, to yeah. this. Yeah, I mean, I feel like she knows Mace and Trixie and them together well enough by now to not be surprised by that. One of my least favorite things happens in this scene, and that is that Chloe decides to bring Trixie into her relationship, which confirms that she is thinking way more seriously about the what she has with Kane currently. And that makes me upset. But it also speaks for Chloe as a really good mom that she talks this openly about this topic with her daughter. Well, of course. But no, I am fairly convinced, especially after how I kind of built up the idea of Chloe's and Mace's relationship might be the fuse of Mace realizing what she's doing. If we bring Trixie into this, I think it's way more likely and I feel pretty confident about the theory of Mace changing her mind at some stage in the next couple of episodes before the finale. We'll see how it goes. But first, Lucy is, of course, not doing what he's told, which is sleeping. No, he follows up on his own ideas and leads while looking so done with everything. I called it! It was Jeremy! I was so proud of myself! It was Jeremy all along, and this is also the moment where we have the second time of Lucifer's eyes flashing. Yes, absolutely. And I noticed! I'm very proud of you. In all caps, I noticed. Do you remember which episode the last time it this was happened was? My Brother's Keeper, because it's the episode with Ella's brother. Yeah, and do you remember who wrote that episode oh, the same it? person oh who wrote this one oh my god Woo! oh my god mind blown right Holy shit. nice i fucking love this so much it's so good i love when the writers are sticking to their guns ah makes me so happy And then, of course, this is also the moment where he finally realizes. Mm -hmm. And I was very confused before Lucifer comes up with the entire thing. And I wasn't sure what was happening. And then I realized in all caps that someone is playing him. And then it was all about, oh my god, fuck this, it was Pierce, motherfucker, smart. And I was very appreciative of the fact that Lucifer realizes this and leaves before Chloe gets there. So we don't have any more oil spilled into that fire for now. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'd say she suspects that Lucifer was there after seeing Jeremy on the floor like that. Yes. <laughs> But still, she doesn't have a proof and she might be too distracted by other things to realize. And so we go back into the penthouse together with Lucifer and he keeps searching the penthouse. Random side note. I have the same fluffy blanket as Lucifer does. <gasps> Aww. The gray fake fur one. Aww. 
the, it's the one that's on the top of my sound booth. It's right above you. Yes. You. So that made me ridiculously happy. <laughs> Can't blame you. And of course, Mace shows up and oh my. This is cruel. Even for Mace, this is cruel. And okay, yeah. I'm going to I'm going to just say and what I have brilliant. written down yeah. and I'm sure that you're going to have something to add. I know that she is very very hurt and I get where she is coming from, but this is breaking my heart. Not to mention this is not just about Lucifer. She is about to hurt Chloe more than she could ever hurt Lucifer. And it's just so painful to watch because you see that she is enjoying this a lot and you understand why and he deserves it he deserves some pain for what he's done to her for sure but what mace fails right now is seeing the bigger picture i don't think she fails to see it i think she is fully aware that this is hurting chloe to a humongous amount but she explicitly says there's only one thing you care more about than about chloe and that is yourself and she knows the only way to properly hurt lucifer is by hurting chloe yeah she can distract lucifer by playing on his vanity but she cannot really hurt him on an emotional deep cut level the only thing that is really gonna hurt him is if chloe's hurt so this is an interesting thought she says the only thing that you care more about than chloe is yourself but she knows that she that's not true it, it's true in the first step to distract him yet she chooses to try to hurt lucifer first and in order to achieve the other goal and it's just it's a very smart plan yeah both of the aspects of the plan are very well thought through clearly the combination of, of mazakin and kane creates a fucking mastermind yeah absolutely but i fucking hate it because oh, same, Lucifer same. as selfish as he is he will always put Chloe first he will that's no discussion but that's the issue Mace literally said that nobody ever puts her first yep and so she is hurting the people whom she tried to put first by hurting those they put first before her as we both said it all makes sense and that makes it worse yeah and I'm fully with you that I heard it in the scene and that it's painful and terrible but it's fucking brilliant writing wise it's so in character and i love to hate this you know yeah yeah same and like we said repeatedly viewers of the show are masochists and this scene is by far one of the best examples for this <laughs> for sure every single time Maze and Lucifer go against each other or Maze more so every single time Maze actually turns against Lucifer it's bad bad for yep. us but yep. also amazing for us because it's just it it's just proves that Maze is extremely important to not just Lucifer but to the entire if we look Character-wise, she is obviously extremely important to Lucifer, but also this proves that she is extremely important to the show and the way they translate emotions. And she's an extremely important character, essentially. And with this pain in our heart, we go into... I kept all of this together because it all goes with the montage song, as I called it. Mm-hmm. So. so we take this pain, we put it in the most beautiful car in the hall of Los Angeles, and we start hearing a song that we have actually heard before on the show. Gasp. Gasp, indeed. It was performed by a different artist, and 
still we are not using the original artist, who in this case would be Phil Collins. Are you going to put the song with both covers into the playlist? Well, both of the covers are on the playlist. We still nice. don't have the original on the playlist, though. And it's called In the Air Tonight. This version is by John Howard. If you want to learn more about the song, you'll have to go into My Devils in the Music. I have compiled a quite good amount of informations that were both fairly familiar, fairly interesting and fairly shocking to and me anyway. I could add to it this time. That's true. So, the scene starts and the scene starts. We have to drive and then we switch over to Chloe and Pierce. They set it up for us to believe that Lucifer is going to be too late. And And in a way, he is. In a way, he is. But also... Let's go through the scene first and then... Okay. Chloe has totally bought into the projection Pierce has shown of himself to her. Yes. She is so buying it. She's believing it. She believes it's the truth. And she is saying all these things to him that he was obviously leading her to say to him. Mm -hmm. And then she arrives at the magic free words and he stops her. He stops her, yeah. He says, you're making it too hard, which is like the worst thing you can say at that stage. It was just like, what What the fuck is happening? And at that stage, I just went into all cups. And I was just, what the fuck is going on? I had no idea what the fuck was going on. Yeah. Did he just grow a conscience in this one second? Did you just read from my notes? <laughs> and what? fucking good is growing a fucking conscience if you still break her fucking heart I think that in his fucked up eyes if she doesn't say it it's not real which, which is, is bullshit. complete bullshit obviously it's bullshit but like he doesn't understand what love is and he doesn't I'm... know what he wants on or what is gonna work or not He's just going through his thousands and thousands of years of life doing shit to try to figure out how to die. And <sighs> he doesn't understand. And I think that's one of the points of what he needs to kind of get through. And I think that's one of the reasons why the mark is gone. So, wait. So, sorry. Okay. He goes. She is heartbroken. And we go back to Lucifer approaching Chloe's, knocking on the door very intensely. And Trixie opens the door. Her face says everything. Mm -hmm. He walks in. He sees Chloe sitting on a couch. And he turns on his heel and he walks out again. And it mm -hmm. is immediately clear he is now going to fuck shit up. And I just have to say, yes, as fed up and as exasperated as I was with many behaviors of Lucifer in the season, this instant someone heard her, the someone is gonna suffer. It doesn't, even if it hadn't been Cain who heard her, but it's the instant ought automatic reaction you heard Chloe so now I'm gonna hurt you so that made my heart just a tiny second in this horrible scene like yay and he drives over to Pierce's place he fucking boots through the glass door <laughs> which I mean nice entry And then he starts beating the crap out of Pierce. Pierce spews some bullshit. And then we see the mark is gone. And I lost my shit. I lost my fucking shit. So why do you think the mark is gone? Is the first question that 
I am sure they're gonna try to answer in the next episode or next couple Because of episodes. she did a tiny sliver of an unselfish act by breaking her fucking heart and not going through with his horrible, heinous plan, thus accepting that he would not get his reward and That is why he gets his reward. And I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. So, so, so fucking much. So in the last few episodes, we've talked about selfishness a lot. Yes. And Kane, in my opinion, has been the poster boy for being selfish. And that comes down to the murder. That, to everything. That yeah. goes through his entire life. And the fact that he actually has never been attached to anybody as he... We've seen him admit. And... When he decides to go full in, he accidentally actually touches those feelings that he was avoiding his entire life. And you can love selfishly, of course, but in order to get Chloe to fall in love with him, he must have developed maybe not love because that takes time, but he must have developed some sort of feelings for her, which causes him to stop her because in his broken mind, If she doesn't say it, it didn't happen. Therefore, he didn't break her heart by leaving. So her, he stopped her. And that puts us on the spin, as you said. He did the first unselfish thing in his entire life. And I feel like this is the perfect punishment from God. Is that he has to walk the earth as long it takes him to learn how to not be selfish and he doesn't tell him obviously because that would completely defeat the purpose so i don't know what's gonna happen now when the mark is gone but i find this mental conundrum fascinating the thing is i understand and i actually agree with everything you said oh thank you Cain was the first murderer. He was jealous of his brother in most of the narratives and jealousy, wanting something for yourself. It's all very closely related and killing your brother out of jealousy. And remember the one story where it was about wanting the better wife. It is the pure definition of selfishness. So he started out as the most selfish person on earth. And apparently through all the millennia, there was not a single instance in which Cain behaved in a not completely selfish way. But the which just tells me that he is an even worse creature than we have criticized him to be. I think that the idea of this is, as we mentioned just in the scene in the penthouse, to oppose to Cain Lucifer. For Lucifer, Chloe will always come first. She will always be above himself, which is something that Cain has never done in his life. The thing is that his motivation for his entire existence was, I want to die and will try whatever is necessary in order to succeed in that goal, which is for me. And by believing that he's gonna let that goal go just not to hurt Chloe, even though it's bullshit and it's completely fucked up, but in his skewed perception of life, this is what he believed when he stopped her. By putting her first, he is doing the utter... The one sliver of unselfishness. Yeah. And, and the intent is what matters, is what I'm trying to say. Intent and result are related, but not the same. And 
in most of God's bullshit setups, intent is what matters. But still, for me, this is not enough. For me, intent is not the deciding factor. For me, intent, it's nice to know that you didn't intend to hurt someone. You still hurt them. The result to me is always the more relevant thing. And I'm not disagreeing with you on this. I'm just saying that... And this is why I hate it so much. That is not the point of the curse. I think the curse was given for a purpose. I know, because the curse is part from God's bullshit. Well, whatever. Yeah, I know. I'm gonna just move on because we're getting into the circle of talking to each other over and over. So I'm gonna just slide into my final thoughts there and talk about the episode in general. So you know how I keep saying that you can tell that we're getting closer to the finale. So this episode alone, holy fuck, I was amped when I finished this. On one hand, Lucifer deserved everything Mace put him through, but that being said, I hate to see him hurting. I hate to see him hurting, even though the messy hair really works for me. And Mace is trying to get back on Chloe's side at some stage. It didn't get addressed again, which is gonna be interesting. I think they're gonna have to come back to it somehow. And I've went through my thought process a few times on this during this episode. And that brings me to Charlotte, who is about to struggle a whole lot. So I'm very excited to see that. And then just all in all, Things are escalating and I'm glad that we're recording two episodes this week because I can't wait to watch the next one and the fact that I get to watch it tomorrow. Same. It just, this is, I'm just worried that the next one's gonna have a similar feel to it and I'm just gonna keep going. We could not have found a better timing to record two episodes in one week. Let's put it that way. Correct. I am incredibly upset about pretty much everything in this episode. Mm -hmm. Pierce doing one theoretical, not selfish thing that still hurts Chloe and he gets rewarded with no more Mark of Cain. Charlotte latching onto the completely unfounded idea that her soul will be carried to heaven by either Lucifer, the devil, or Amenadiel without ever talking about that. Ella being super grossly into the horny workplace behavior of Pierce and Chloe. Nope. Nope. Thank you. No, I hate it. Mace turning fucking super villain and cutting so deep emotionally while playing Lucifer was horrible, but also fucking amazing. You go, girl, and go get your revenge. Though, I have to confess, I do not see how their relationship is gonna recover from this base betrayal. Lucifer completely losing himself throughout this episode and finally verbalizing to Chloe what his actual issue is with her and Pierce was way overdue. But hey, I'm glad that we at least still got there. As much as I'm not happy that Chloe got her heart broken in the fucking worst way, I am so relieved that we are now apparently past the stupid love triangle. Unless, of course, they just get back together for whatever convoluted reason the writers make up just to torture me some more because apparently that's a thing. They are actually doing it to hurt you specifically. Of course, what else? I talked to them the other day. What else? (laughs) Meanwhile, Dan, sweetest, bestest Dan, once again proofs he is by far the most bestest, most awesomest human of them all. And I love him so, so much. Huge care bear that he is. And of course, Kick-Ass Trixie really killed her super short screen time once again. Biggest question of them all. We still have four episodes? Three episodes? Mm-hmm. Four. One, two, three, four, yeah. But no more Mark of Cain. What's mm-hmm. gonna be the storyline for our last four episodes? I actually remember, so... I don't. <laughs> So I'm like, we're about to go on a ride, Lena. What? 
And yeah, just like Vero said, thankfully we are recording the next episode in two days. So sucks to be you, dear listeners. Having to wait another week, we don't. And with this, we say thank you for listening. If you are curious, find us on the various social medias. We love interacting with you either over there or when you send us emails to lucifer at taot-podcast.com. If you want to get even more personal and have secret chats with us on our exclusive Discord server, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash taotpodcast. We have a whole bunch of different rewards from early release to hours of bonus content. Yes, hours. If that sounds like too much pressure you can help the show by leaving positive itunes reviews they really really help or telling all your friends about us because nothing beats a personal recommendation thank Thank you you. Bye. bye